This is a public service announcement. The world's about to end. You have 45 minutes. Welcome to... If the world was ending, you'd come over, right? <laughs> I don't know why I I feel, it was. I feel like you can't do that without putting a little melody in. <laughs> Sorry. No, it was it was great. I, I'm Jamie, in case you didn't know. And I'm Molly. <laughs> <laughs> and of course, everyone knows that. <laughs> um, no, it's funny because I've been thinking, you know how in a lot of our episodes recently, all of our hundreds of episodes that we've done so far, like quite a few people have said that if they received the message, they probably wouldn't believe it at first. Yeah. Um, and so then that got me thinking... Um, do you remember in Leeds where like someone sent out that anonymous text message and it was, um, it was like, it was formatted. So it looked like it came from your mum. So it was mum. And then it said like, hi, sweetie, I've got something really important to tell you. And I'm really worried, like clickbait, clickbait, clickbait. Yes. And then it was like, please get down to insert trashy club tonight (laughs) for 50% off. Um, Do you remember this? And they got a lot of stick for it. I mean, there were like so many different nightclubs in Leeds where they were doing all sorts of different people. There was, do you remember that one where um, like you go and people would just lick cream off each other? <laughs> and that was like a standard night out. <laughs> yeah, I think I do. I, I was thinking about the place where they like replace the um, vodka or what, tequila or something with like a white spirit. <laughs> That was the same club. Same club, yeah. Makes sense. <laughs> makes sense. But that, what you were saying about that text also reminded me of um, one of our early episodes with Shiv. Shiv mm. um, and so when Shiv was at uni, they did a radio show where they would call up students at like 7am on a Saturday morning and pretend to be like a friend and, and sort of like spread some gossip um but it just like you know students so outrageous yeah yeah you really just do put up with the worst the worst I remember um when me and my sister we like did a little trip around Scotland and uh we were like okay we've got to save some money you know we're students we're not making the dollar so um we um went with like this really trashy like they marketed themselves as students and it was like a, a camper van company and um, I think they've closed down now, actually. But you get like really funky designs on the side. Like they have all different, like like flaming skulls, like dice or whatever. And you're like, what am I gonna get? So we 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 turned up at this um, the the dealership and we're like, okay, what van are we gonna get? Um, and it just rocks up, rolls out in front of us, and it says like on the back. I'm not a gynecologist, but I'll take a look. And bearing in mind, this is me and my sister <laughs> going around rural Scotland for a week. And I start screaming with laughter. <laughs> like I am howling. And like this, like burly Scotchman's just like, so here's your brakes and here's the here's the, the the keys and this is your engine. And I'm like, I can't even like keep my eyes open. And my sister's just like, shut up, shut up. Um but it was so funny and we got some um like we were so embarrassed we got some like learner stickers um <laughs> to put on, yeah and then on the side actually it said 
Um, drop acid, not bombs. <laughs> <laughs> My mantra. <laughs> I think we're going to have to find a picture and share it with our listeners. Okay, deal, yeah. deal. <laughs> um, but I guess like speaking of travel, should we get the hell out of Scotland? Yeah. <laughs> Let's zoom over to where our guest from for today is based. Mm. So on today's episode, we're very excited to be speaking to Summer Star. She's a Hawaii resident who grew up on the island of Maui. She has a background in climate and indigenous justice organizing and, and is deeply involved in her local community. Her work revolves around mutual aid, agricultural revitalization and community preparedness. She was in her home in Hawaii when the infamous 2018 false nuclear missile alert happened. So... For today's episode, she'll be sharing her personal experience. So sit back and enjoy. Hello, welcome to the podcast. <laughs> welcome, Summer. <laughs> um, so, well, should we start off with the, the fact that we're starting this a little bit differently? Yeah, this is a slightly different Let's preface it. <laughs> podcast yeah. because the situation that we imagined for this podcast actually happened to you. Yes. In a sim in a similar but slightly different way back in mm-hmm. 2018. So do you wanna tell us what happened? And yeah. yeah, talk us through that story. For sure. Thank you. I so it was January 2018. Um <clears throat> it was a weekend. Um, thank goodness. And so I was in bed at the time with my partner at the time and our first child, who she was two. And I had a friend over staying in our guest home. Uh, I was awoken by one of those really loud siren dings on your phone um, saying that there was a missile headed towards Hawaii. And it didn't say where from. Uh, It didn't give an impact time. It just said nuclear missile threat (laughs) or something like missile threat. I'd have to look back. So we were like, wow guess it's go time. And so I walked down to my guest house. My friend was staying here at the time. Her partner uh, is a first responder in the city of Honolulu, which is our metropolitan area, which would have been probably the prime targets. So now we have a first responder in Honolulu we're thinking about. She comes into our, because we're all just trying to aggregate into one house. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I bring her into my house. I have quote unquote, go bags that we had already set up for this sort of situation, flood, fire, any other sort of um, event, but you can also use it to shelter in place, mm-hmm. not just go. So I grab our go bags. I, I grabbed as much um, fresh water bottles, uh, like big five gallons of mm-hmm. water that I could and bring them into the house. Then we started considering how we were going to barricade the windows to protect from drift. So one of us from nuclear drift. So one of us is on the internet while we can, because we know internet lines are going to get clogged up and cell lines are going to get clogged up. We got confirmation from one of my siblings who lives a a ways over that she was aware that she was doing all her due diligence as well. Um, We checked in with another sibling. They were not on property. I live on a family compound with the majority of my family. They were not on property. They were, they were in England at the time. Wow. (laughs) Visiting, visiting my sister-in-law's family. So they were watching this unfold on international television. 
<laughs> so, and then we checked in with our other brother, who's a, a native plant botanist. He's a scientist. And so he's sort of just, um, I guess, over it with humans. I called him because I didn't want to run outside. I called him on his landline, which is right there. I can see his house. And I said, Hey, there's a nuclear, there's like a missile headed towards Hawaii. And he was like, right on. And then that was it. So <laughs> he felt fine with that. So over in my house, I'm with my partner, my child, my friend. I contact my parents who also live on the same property. I ask them to come up to our house so that we can barricade everybody because it's my mother, my father, and my sister's son is here while my sister is at her homestead elsewhere. Yes. So my nephew's here. So my nephew, my gra- uh, my mother and my father all come up to my house. She bring They bring their go bags. They bring their bottled water, all this. So, so we determine, I mean, we assume it's, we assume it's probably coming not from the, the West coast of America. Mm-hmm. We assume it's probably coming from the other direction. Mm-hmm. And so we start going on, uh, there's a website where you can calculate the, the time, the destruction path, all of this of different types of nuclear weapons, and you can punch in all sorts of different variables. So we did, and we figured if it was coming from this general region and it was this sort of general artillery, because certain countries only have certain types of nuclear weapons that only go so far and only have so much amount of accuracy. And we just sort of happen to know these things <laughs> that, that exists. So we were looking up all these things. And, and I believe, I, I think I remember it being about 18 minutes. We would have had 18 minutes from the time we got the text to impact. Impact likely would have been Honolulu which means based on the sort of artillery that was available to that region of the world at the time that we knew of, there would have been likely a six mile total destruction blast radius in the, in the middle of Honolulu, Pearl Harbor, something like this, right? Mm -hmm. Everything beyond that would be of course, fire and then radiation. So because we live on Maui, we are upwind generally speaking from oahu because of the trade winds coming from california across us right from the north right and 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 east so and it was a trade wind day Mm. so it was unlikely any fallout was going to reach us immediately so what we decided to focus on was um what we were going to start focusing on until we were told then that it was a false missile alert, whatever that was. Um, What we were going to begin to focus on immediately was uh, chopping plywood and screwing it to the windows in Mm -hmm. case of blast impact, because I have an old 100 year old plantation house with old hundred year old windows and they would have. So that was where we were going next was to protect ourselves from blast and thereby fallout, but we were concerned about the blast right before the fallout. Then we're getting all the materials here. Um, we got every, as many people inside as possible. We had determined that, you know, after at a certain time, if we needed to, we would all pick up the bathtub and flip it and put my nephew and my daughter under the bathtub, and then the rest of us would would be in a in a um a closet, or we would all be in the closet barricaded because in a nuclear event, it's best to have as many layers between you and the nuclear fallout. 
So these were the sort of things we were considering. Fortunately, we had all food handled. We had water that we had handled. Um, and and we're far away from a metropolitan area. Then then we got a text that it was canceled. Which <laughs> 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 were like, cool. <laughs> and so if people called their people. I had one friend call me. So phone lines are going to get chopped up. You know, I, I've made a lot of changes in my life since then that I'm still working on slowly, but phone lines will get chopped, but are, are uh, blocked. One friend did call me and she's, she was like, you're the first person I thought to call. What the fuck do I do? Oh. <laughs> oh, my, and so I was talking her through it because I was, I, I was as safe as I could possibly be. Mm-hmm. I was with as many people as I could possibly want to be with safely in that moment, because my sister wasn't going to get in her car and drive over here. Right. So we were as safe as we could be. Um, A lot of other people, and this is so after this happened, I created a um, a disaster preparedness workshop for the community for free because I saw a lot of people, even on Maui, really far away uh, from where would a a nuclear missile might threaten. they were like, oh, you know, I was like, well, fuck it. It's the end of the world. I'm just going to pull up and like, you know, watch the show. And I was like, it's not how it's going to go for you. If you're in a six mile radius and you have that level of gusto, okay, fine. But you can get blown to smithereens. Anything outside of that, especially if you're just really in a fallout and blast range, all you're doing is setting yourself up for a lifetime of cancer. Mm. You're not going to die. You're just going to die slowly for decades. Oh, yeah. 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 So there was this very, just like, it was powerless Mm. and it was under the guise of this, like, fuck it, you Mm. know, watch the world end. And I'm like, I mean, if you think apocalypse is the movies, Mm. which maybe those movies are made that way, to get us to believe that that's how an apocalypse apocalypse looks. So, so because I saw this, I mean, people also, people were freaking out and there's panic, right? So imagine this is, I think it was around eight, eight 30 AM. Imagine if that had been a school day. Holy macaroons. (laughs) I know me. Okay. So let's do that scenario today. It's freaking 9:40. Bing, missile shoots. You have 45 minutes. Okay. I know you're not supposed to go on the road. I know you're supposed to shelter in place. I know my kid's school is smart. It's small. It's a farm school. They have their sh- together. 45 minutes. I could get there in 12. I could get there in 12. Mm. And I fucking would. Yeah. Mm. And that's scary because I, I now if they were in, if they were in a school on the other side of the island or on the other mountain of this island, I would call their father, see how close he is. And I would shelter in place because that, that like, if I had to go through a town, I guess you don't even know where I'm talking about. If me to my kid's school is one single two lane semi-country road. Mm. Me to my kid's school, from where I'm sitting right now to my kid's yeah. school. 
if my kids were with their father or my kids were at the beach or my kids were in town, that's a lot of stoplights. Yeah. <laughs> that's a lot of potential for chaos. And I would shelter in place. Yeah. And, and if they were just at the beach with friends, I would have to accept that that was the reality of it. That, yeah. that I hope that those friends have it together. And I would invite those friends to immediately come to my house as fast as possible if they could, or actually probably find a concrete bunker, a concrete building, yeah. you know, shelter in place. That's not your car. So if you can get your car into concrete, you know, so mm. on and so forth. So, so that's how it would be different today. That happened on a weekend here. It was a really great trial run and we failed miserably as a, as an, island group as, as leadership, I should say, failed miserably and ever preparing us for that sort of thing and having any yeah. facility. I mean, people, people ran to fallout shelters and they were locked. No. They were locked. <laughs> yeah. You know, cause, I mean, cause, yeah. Well, one thing I was going to ask was about, um, what, cause this isn't something that we would ever have in the UK. We don't have a, we don't have Amber alerts at all. Any kind of alerts that come mm -hmm. up on our phones, but we don't, have to worry about the the possibility of a missile. So I'm wondering like what this kind of setup is in Hawaii that that meant that that was something that you had to consider because I don't think it you know they used the same we get lots of alerts on our phone because of the elementals. We get flat we get floods and hurricanes. Right. and tsunamis. Mm. And so we get so it was in the vein of um the emergency management Mm. So it was like a FEMA emergency management thing. That's why it fell into that category where well, we, we didn't think that I'd never gotten that wasn't on our radar, though. We do have missile deflection on the Island of Kauai from, um, so there, there is a missile deflection that can like, I guess, shoot missiles away from Hawaii. So we are aware of it because of the wars and we're in the yeah. middle of this. Right. But in the everyday, no, it was just cause it was an emergency and we get those a lot, you know, it'll be like, flash flood warning in your area till 11 p.m like all the time right okay. that makes sense because a lot a lot yeah. of our guests have actually said i don't know if i'd believe it first yeah. i'd have to like verify it but it sounds like when you well, there was a lot of that too and so and okay. so this brings us to comms right communications i'll preface by saying the solution is to create uh community networks and I think that everybody, especially those that are audio astute, um, I, I don't know that languaging yet. I'm working on it. And we need to create things that aren't dependent on the ISP. I don't know. I'm still learning. So, um, but calm. So, oh, there's a missile alert. Is Did did we think, oh, did FEMA get hacked? Right. And um, so people are, Twitter is a place I find that's more effective than Facebook, more effective than Instagram and Google. So Twitter is a good, better place to go during emergency. Mm -hmm. And it was confirmed. Um, but my internet and my cell are already bad because a lot of us are rural. Mm. And so we don't have landlines anymore. Um, it's it, so it's, it's actually the comms piece the communications piece is one of the most stressful because it's what you have the least control over. You can stock food, you can stock water, you can build out your house to be safe. You can do all your things with your little turtle shell, mm. but communications with the people you love the most, which is everything that matters in those moments, mm -hmm. comms get all bunched up. 
Yeah. Yeah. And that's a real problem. And so uh, recently, maybe a month ago, the entire island, all of Maui, the whole island uh, lost power. There was a problem somewhere. Some There was a trip down by the power station and the whole fucking island lost power. Oh <laughs> now the hospital, yeah, the, the hospital's that- on back. And there is like a grid that 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 they will focus on and get up and running really yeah. fast. It has a lot of those crucial uh, services, right? Mm-hmm. But there was a farmer here that lost half of his aquaponics farm because he had just bought a backup generator. But when he went down to the gas station to pump the gas, the gas pump wouldn't work because the power was out. So he didn't have fuel for his mm-hmm. generator and he lost half his fish. Oh. <laughs> That and that's just one example, yeah, right? Imagine yeah. if you have life support services and you don't have a generator, or you know, da, 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 da. and of course, then we have to overlap the intersectionality of those who are more vulnerable, mm-hmm. of those who don't have as much financial, social privilege, and and how that affects them even even harder. So after the grid went down recently, I finally ponied up. They're not that expensive, expensive actually, and I bought a CB radio to start doing ham radio. Uh, I bought a mobile one because I have a four by four and a lot of work that I do is in the field. So now I have a mobile CB radio and a, like a trucker CB radio with a DC conversion for my house. Um, and I do think that anybody interested in like the end of the world <laughs> from somebody who's studied it a lot and then experienced it, mm. uh, the almost end of the world communications, the rest of the stuff is pretty straightforward and sort of very personal it's like i don't know do, do you want to surf the tsunami i'm that's a personal choice right <laughs> um it, but communications when you can't get in touch with the people you love when you can't get in touch with the governmental officials that are trying to keep us informed of what's going on wow it's stressful mm. yeah. wow that mm. adds so much stress and we don't have those networks set up yet so Anyway, that's what we did in 2018 wow. <laughs> is we got everybody into the house. We brought as much food and water into the house. We were going to barricade as the house as much as possible for blast and fallout. And we were planning on staying inside for minimum 72 hours. I was already considering that my whole garden was going to be dead from fallout or non-edible, which is why we have things like spirulina mm. in, our, in our backup foods because it has the trace minerals from fresh foods that we can't get in a fallout situation, for example, and iodine, stuff like that. So we would have probably had a lot of spirulina smoothies for two or three days or (laughs) weeks in our house. And, you know, part of that is making sure you have buckets to go to defecate in and places to put your waste and places Mm -hmm. to bury your trash when, when there's no garage, when there's no trash man coming by. I mean, it goes and goes and goes and goes. So we brought in our shit buckets as well as our water and our food, right? Mm-hmm. All in this house. Um, that's wow. what we did. <laughs> and then we, had, then we had juice. Then we went, it was like, oh, it didn't happen. And we went and pick, <laughs> picked oranges and made juice. We oh, that's what a lovely way to celebrate. So nice. <laughs> yeah, and danced. We were and danced to like apocalypse songs. <laughs> what What is an apocalypse song? God, what were we? What were we? I, I have to find it. There's this, there's this like super classic reggae song that I cannot remember, but I think it was about nuclear war and it was like steel pulse or something. It was like some old school reggae from like uncle's uncle's days. And we were just like drinking juice, just like, yeah, <laughs> not even the end of the world. This is the beginning <laughs> of the world. <laughs> wow. 
What, so before you mentioned about the preparedness mm. kind of workshop that you put on, so it sounded like you were already very prepared, despite the fact that you had never really considered this kind of missile threat further than the deflector thing. Right. Um, so how did that come about? So how was it that you were already prepared and what was the kind of next step in preparing other people? Mm-hmm. I think first and foremost in the area I grew up were pretty remote. And so power goes out every single winter for un- unknown amounts of time. So you just get accustomed as a lifestyle to living a way that when the power goes out, you're not going to be that bummed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Especially if you have kids, especially if it's raining outside all the time at that time of year. Mm-hmm. So I lead a very low tech life first and foremost. And that has just sort of shaped me to be more survival preparedness from a life. I grew up in the same piece of land my whole life. Um, but also like, you know, we, we oftentimes big old trees will go down and we can't even get out. We can't get to the store. We're just stuck. Mm. So that lived reality was just, so it's just natural for us to have food and water and firewood and, and, and batteries and radio and all this stuff. Um, but then I think due to seeing how pragmatic that is, (laughs) I enjoy that lifestyle a lot. It feels really nice to me. And now I'm realizing we all have to learn it for ourselves pretty ASAP. And it's small incremental because if we do it with solidarity and mutual aid, mm-hmm. I can take care of growing medicines and herbs. Somebody else is really good at growing food. Mm-hmm. You guys are really good at handling comms and setting up independent networks, right? We don't have to do the shit that we're not good at. Mm-hmm. We do the things that we're really good at and we're hyper-focused on for whatever traumatic and inspirational reason. And then that allows everybody to do what they're good at and we share in that resource. I would give you medicine. You would teach me how to use my fucking CB radio. Um, (laughs) That is, I think for me, when I hear this question that you pose, that's the core is because, you know, I would presume people want to be with their loved ones. And so why aren't we just with our loved ones? What is preventing us from doing that? Is it family trauma? Okay. What's preventing us from looking at that? Them mm. together or with chosen family, mm-hmm. right? We we can have that which we want in those last 45 minutes. Mm. But the work in getting there is planting and digging and communicating and 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 and, and. yeah. I think it's really interesting what you mentioned about like your what you deem as preparedness mindset or preparedness mindset. Am I saying that right? Yeah. Yeah. And, um, cause, cause my immediate thought and, and I think it's in response to kind of what happened during the pandemic and like people kind of immediately going inward and being like, how can I protect myself? How can I hoard as much toilet paper as possible? How can I? And so like, I love the fact that for you, it focuses on community and like how we can work collectively to protect one another. And I think that is something that like we can all kind of take away from this. Um, well, and I, I like to emphasize the pragmatism of it and the strategy mm, of it. Yeah. Right? Growing up, it's a heart-led, we think it's a heart-led instinct to want to love one another, but it's not. That's a fucking gaslight from Hobbesian, 
you know, from Thomas Hobbes saying that all humans are selfish and cruel. That was just a lie because he had trauma that he had never worked with, right? So we are cooperative because we are toothless, clawless, furless, (laughs) vulnerable little naked apes. (laughs) And we need each other. Yeah. To survive. Mm. And now when you spend your whole life in a space of like, I just feel like we need each other to survive. And the hegemonic dominant society says, um, no, you just need a lot of money. And that requires being a bully, which is actually just being a narcissist and taking advantage of people who can't protect themselves. And you're like, that doesn't feel good. And they're like, you're an idiot. So, <laughs> so where I'm trying to come at this point is that is and it's not like my theory it is the theory behind black liberation theology how the black panthers organized with giving food to the people and how did the us government respond when the black panther party had decided that they were going to start feeding the homeless and feeding the children they came in and they urinated on it they urinated on food for people that were poor and needed it and then they started the USDA breakfast program in schools. They took their model and they capitalized it. Yeah. So it's a gaslight that community isn't the answer. And it's a tragic gaslight that nobody can be faulted for sort of succumbing victim to. Mm -hmm. So where I'm at is, is now doing, I did the academic work for decades now I get to do the praxis more so. I mean, in that I was always doing some level of praxis, but my whole life was oriented towards the mental, towards the academic, towards the negotiating and the strategy. Mm-hmm. Now the orientation is I'm grateful and it's because I have children. So I'm grounded and I'm, I'm here present. If I didn't have children, I'd probably be an international witness in Oaxaca, Chiapas or Palestine. I wouldn't be here. I'd be doing something on the brink of death because that would be how I was processing my trauma. Right. So, but now I get to do it with my children here and that's grounding down and the orientation now is grounding down. And what I hope to do in that is learn step-by-step how to make something from very, very little Mm -hmm. by myself with limited time and limited resources Mm -hmm. so that I can begin to replicate it so that I can begin to show the empirical data of what our intuition already knows. Yeah. Society gaslights us out of. Mm. So with the the um the mutual aid kind of approach to preparedness, how does that how does that kind of come into your everyday life outside of a missile threat? <laughs> totally. So um I have a room uh that is called my mutual aid office. And in that mutual aid office is my uh, a selection of backup food for myself and my family. But then, of course, that can be used to be given out to the community at any time. Um, I also have a whole bunch of uh, donations. So I have the, the, you know, just stainless steel racks full of women's clothes, men's clothes, children's toys, children's clothes. And because people will be getting rid of things, mm-hmm. I don't have anybody to give it to. Sorry if it's windy. Um and so I will receive and then send out donations. It's, it's like this question that you ask is getting to a core value, which then can help a value system, which then can help people 
myself included, uh, address the hegemony mm. as the toddler that it is, mm. as a good parent, not a hegemonic domination ideology parent. Right. I mean, I will still say fuck the system and, but I have to realize I just have to build an alternative system mm-hmm. a lot that, that just subverts it and replace and, and provides the nurturance and care that the hegemony doesn't. And so people will be leaving it. Mm-hmm. Right. And, and again, the, this question that you ask gets to, I think it's, it's fascinating. You can find who centers care or love and who centers other things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I would, I would say that as an organizer, that's a really powerful recruitment tool. It's a powerful screening tool, but like these sorts, you can see what people value. And those are the people that will show up mm. in one of those disasters. Mm-hmm. But like I said, we were prepared for that because of a lifetime of preparing and you don't have to have a lifetime of preparing at this point. We just have to understand what we love let ourselves do it and let other people do what they love and share with each other so that we all don't have to keep doing all of it. Mm. It, it reminds me of um, like some of my sort of favorite slogans or phrases that go around in my head of things like community is resistance and love is resistance mm-hmm. and joy is resistance and all these things. And it, it speaks to what you're saying. It's that sense of everything that the, that the system finds difficult to cope with which are things like community is the complete antithesis of of individualism which is what capitalism runs on this you know love is the opposite of of hate which is what powers the same kinds of systems the same with joy like the world is built for us to be miserable and exhausted and and any time that you experience joy is really i think of it as like in resistance to the state and i think it's really it speaks a lot to kind of what you're what you're mm-hmm. saying view. Um, I had another question, which you spoke about, I think a bit earlier, and this is quite a tangent from what we've been speaking about just now, but you spoke about that there were some people that came to your house or the way that other people were reacting during that time. I'd be fascinated to know what other people were getting up to. Yeah. Well, but all of us were pretty much prepared more or less. Mm. So w- one of the interesting factors was being able to communicate with Honolulu um, first responders at that time, because my, my friend that was here, her partner was working as a first responder. So he had a line in to lines of communications that we didn't have, and he could text them and texting would work better in a disaster situation. So that was one piece of it where she wouldn't have been here normally. And I would not have had that in line to Honolulu first, Mm -hmm. first responders. Mm -hmm. And it made me really grateful for it. Mm. It gave me a lot of comfort. It also like, you know, it was nice that she could communicate with her partner who might've been blown to smithereens. Um, but, but it made me realize that having more intimacy with, with, um, first responder communications is really important in these situations. And another funny incident that happened was my mom and my dad and my nephew came up, my mom dropped her go bag she, they had brought bottled water and she's like, oh, I need to go get my cash because you have cash in the time of, I mean, as a prepper, you keep some cash because when credit cards won't work and stuff, but, but I got to witness my mother have a lapse in logic because I was like, bitch, you're not going to, I'm sorry, (laughs) lady, you're not going to (laughs) like, 
be going to the store <laughs> until the fallout's done, at which point you could go get the cash. But so she left the house. We live on the same property, but she like walked out of my house and down the yard and to her house and came back. And I was like, why, why'd you leave? Cause it's exposure and this, we were all in the house. None of us were cruising around outside. But she, Do you think that was like a, a panic response? Or yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. She was just in, she was just in accumulation of resources to prepare for the thing because the thing is actually happening now. And, and I got to <laughs> and was in catastrophization. And, yeah. and it was also interesting that the thing she needed to get was cash. Mm. Yeah. Mm. And she's not a very, like, we're not very materialistic people and, but they're a different generation and they're programmed differently. And so it was, it was interesting for me to witness and also witnessing myself when I was taking care of my children, my child and the house. And she's like, Oh, I'm going to go. I realized too, that I was an invitation for me to try and expand my wherewithal in that moment. Mm. It was an early recognition again, that, that people kind of lose their bearings in moments like these. Yeah. And so even people that I think might have it totally together, I still have to sort of maintain a container. Mm-hmm. I have to be cognizant of maintaining a container if we're in a space that's mine to contain in that way. Um, yeah, that stuck with me, her leaving the house yeah. to do that. She was fine. She came back before they even sent the other message. You know, yeah. she's not like slow. <laughs> But I was, it was like, wow. I'm, I'm just aware of the time that we've been speaking for a while. I don't want to take up your whole day. And we're so grateful for, to have you mm. on the, on the this podcast. This was so fun. It was so, <laughs> so great to speak to you. Yeah. Thank, Thank you, you so much. Are we going to do a summary? I think probably no. No. We usually get people to summarize their last 45 minutes in 30 seconds, but I feel like it's a bit trivial because it actually happened to you. And I don't know if that's something that, that feels particularly, it feels a bit uncomfortable to me. Mm. To- well, from, from the experience, I could say that just the pre- preparedness sort of disaster apocalypse fixation. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say that as a, as a summary, I have found that disasters are a beautiful opportunity, quote unquote disasters. Chaos is a beautiful opportunity to refine one's focus, set one's orientation, and Use the energy of the chaos to open yourself to what your fullest potential is in this life. And let that give you the permission to explore that for yourself. Because that is what will keep us safe. Mm-hmm. Is whatever your heart's desire is what's going to keep us safe. Yeah. Absolutely. That's, that is a beautiful summary. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. This was wonderful. It was so great chatting with you. I think me and Molly have just been sat here like, like, yeah, just <laughs> everything you're saying is, is, yeah. is, is absolutely well, You guys are invited. Not, none of the listeners, I don't know you, but <laughs> you two are totally, if you ever make it to this way, 
my my sister in law's from Hastings, so she'd probably love some friends. Um, but yeah, you should you could come stay and you can come do the work that I do with me. And- uh, hey, we're gonna Google some flights. Yeah. Like, you okay, we will all be there tomorrow. Yeah. <laughs> Leo was just here. It was great. So we, I do. I have Amazing. I have a little unit that's next door that is for guests, and we just have a very quiet homestead up here. And you're welcome to home base here. Absolutely. When spirit says it's time, it's here. Okay. I think we've got to start off by explaining for the listeners' sake what they could hear and what we could see. Yes. Because Summer was sat on a Hawaiian bed in her garden. Mm -hmm. We could hear wind chimes. Mm. We could hear the wind. Mm. It was nine in the morning. Yes. Um, the sun was coming in. That's right. Um, and she was sat on a pune. Pune. You're agreeing with me. Which is, pune. which she says is a Hawaiian day bed. Yes. Yes. My God. Yeah. Comfy. <laughs> it looks amazing. And as the listeners heard, we are very much invited. Yes. To this beautiful homestead. Mm. Um, it's just a very different way of life, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's hard to even imagine what that, what that would be like. Yeah, not stuck in a nine-to-five. Not living in the middle of a concrete jungle. What about the two? Yeah, Yeah, I'd miss that so much. (laughs) Yeah, um, that was a really incredible conversation. Yeah, I think it's fair to say we were both just, like, on tenterhooks the whole time. Yeah. Like, that that really was fascinating. Yeah. I think it's, um, I think it might be interesting to kind of explain how this came about, because we... I don't know, well, I don't know if you did. I remembered the 2018 Hawaii missile mm. kind of incident, but only when someone from Hawaii spoke to us about it in the context of us talking about this podcast. Yeah. And they asked us um, kind of how we how we came up with this idea. And we were talking a little bit about how it's influenced by what happened with, with Ukraine and the sort of threat of nuclear war and what that must feel like. And, and trying not to sort of trivialise this question, but also finding that it was being trivialized all over the internet mm-hmm. and um and then the very real experience that happened to people in Hawaii and there's a lot out there there's lots of documentaries and, and things about what people did and again you just can't imagine that but it's just fascinating about how this kind of came about and that is that yeah. that red alert or whatever yeah. it was popped up on people's phones yeah. already you can find I can find yeah. it for you online like there's, there's a screenshot mm. you can see exactly what it was and it's just yeah you know, this is for us just like a podcast that we're just I don't know we're just kind of chatting mm-hmm. through something that's yeah. completely theoretical but for for many people that's not the case and mm-hmm. I think it's important to remember that yeah absolutely and on that note make sure you like we can't even say it now <laughs> follow, you like, follow like follow, subscribe, subscribe. Um, we're if the world was ending underscore podcast on Instagram and if the world was ending podcast at gmail.com hope so i think that's right we didn't write it down this time but we'll see you there maybe (laughs) if the world was ending you'd come over right